Welcome back to the CBJ show. I am Brandon alongside the Zoom screen is Jason. Uh, and today, this is episode 40, and we're going to jump in to the March Madness recap. So, March Madness is over. The Kansas Jayhawks are your 2022 national championship, but a lot of things happened from uh, the first four. I would say the highlight of the first four was uh, definitely the Indiana-Notre Dame game, double overtime. Notre Dame, no, Indiana, I, I forget which one of the teams made a good run. Um, I think Notre Dame did. Um, leading up to Kansas winning. So a lot of upset. Not the biggest, as everyone knows, was the Cinderella team this year was St. Peter's Peacocks. And you may or may not know this, but they're actually uh, a small college from New Jersey, uh, local to the Boston area, so here in the Northeast region. And they upsetted number two Kentucky, number seven Murray State, and number three Purdue. Um, they're all close. They'd have to force overtime with Kentucky, but three huge games. And we already know the head coach is gone. I think a few players are already transferring. So their magical run is done. <laughs> but um, other than that, Cinderella, we had a lot of up, other upsets um, with uh, in the first round, New Mexico State. We always have that 12 5 upset. Um, Notre Dame. This was a, a big one. Not a lot of people thought Notre Dame would be able to beat Alabama, and Notre Dame took the momentum from the first four game. Like I said, it went to double overtime, um, and then uh, Notre Dame pulled out the victory and pulled out the upset in the first round. Um, and then Michigan also defeated Colorado State. So five, six seed uh, losing to 11 and 12 seeds. Um, not a surprise. Uh, the biggest one in the second round, uh, we had our first number one seed get eliminated. Um, and that was the Baylor Bears. Um, I don't know if Jason has anything to add about that game, but that was insane how North Carolina still won after blowing such a humongous lead. Um, but UNC pulled it out, injuries, uh, fouls. Uh, they finally were able to pull through in overtime. They won. Um, number one, 11, Iowa State defeated number three, Wisconsin. That was a big game. And um, in the final four, the only upset we had was UNC as an 8C knocking off number two, Duke. But it was an amazing game. Um, Back and forth. Um, Big Cot for UNC is amazing. Um, Banchero for Duke is amazing as well. This, uh, it was a game for the ages. And as we know, it was Coach K's uh, last game of the season. Fortunately, Coach K lost UNC as final game in Durham this season lost the ACC tournament, and then lost to UNC again in March Madness. Um, Hoover Davis, uh, credit to him. Um, 
didn't have the easiest road, especially as an eighth seed. Um, but he was the fourth coach, fourth head coach to reach the national championship in his first season. So he did what is very hard for many people, but um, he did. And Coach K won his 100th game against Texas, um, Texas Tech, won the West, and then unfortunately fell to UNC in the final four. Ed Cooley was named Coach of the Year, and as we know, the Kansas Jayhawks not only are our 2022 um, champions, but completed the biggest comeback in championship, national championship history. They were down 16 points at halftime to UNC. UNC uh, blew another lead. <laughs> and in the end, it was Kansas on top. Yeah, I mean, when we look at March Madness, um, in the end, um, the two best teams were obviously playing. Um, but I really want to highlight Caleb Love from UNC, um, who absolutely showed out um, in this tournament. Um, he did have a bad final four or his final game, but in the final four um, in uh, the game at Duke, um, he had 28 points and overall in the entire tournament, this was just perfect for him. He was just anchoring that entire offense. You had Baycott down low, um, but this guy, Caleb, Caleb Love, I think he's going to be a star in this league. He came into um, into UNC after um, Cole Anthony was um, just a few years ago, and he's obviously having success. I think Caleb Love is that next guy up for UNC, and I think He's going to declare for the draft this year, be a top five pick. Um, he really showed out. Um, you know, like you said, Kansas, um, um, they had the biggest comeback um, in a while, and I think they're going to have another big draft class. So as we approach the NBA draft, um, we're going to see a lot of familiar faces declare for the draft that we saw in March Madness. Um, and who knows, maybe some can go top five, like Bonchero, Caleb Love. Um, I think um, Ochai Agbaji on Kentucky is going to go pretty high. Um, I really like what I'm seeing for him. Um, even Christian Braun could possibly go as a junior. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see how some of these Kansas guys um, play out in the NBA. Yeah, it was enjoyable March Madness. Um, I would say if you've yet to see the one shining moment uh, mini video clip that uh, NCAA always puts together after the year, um, it was fabulous. I would say as a Duke fan, highlights uh, were definitely that that uh, Duke uh, Michigan State game in the second round was amazing. Um, obviously, um, Kansas coming back—that's crazy. Um, UNC blowing that lead to Baylor, but then still somehow won. But um, it was March Madness, like it's like we said. Um, I would say the whole month of March, not just the tournament was madness from the last couple games of uh, conference games, then the conference tourneys before March Madness officially happened. Um, I think there had been, I think there was a million buzzer beaters, a million lead changes. Um, I felt like every night there was a, a buzzer beater happening and it's so fun. It's one of those sports where it comes down to the last moment. I know with like baseball and basketball and soccer. Uh, well, basketball. Well, I'm sorry. 
baseball and soccer and football could have excitement at the end, but not guaranteed basketball. Um, it's always fun when it comes. I will say my only complaint with March Madness, and Jason, you can uh, comment if you agree, is uh, how long the last couple of minutes are when it's a tie game. There's too many commercials. There's too many uh, reviews. They review like every single play, and it just feels like sometimes they just need to let stuff go. And so it's, it's frustrating as a fan, um, especially when your team is one of the teams playing and it's a tight game and you're <laughs> stressed out. You don't need to be stressed out more. Uh, just finish, get the game done quicker than they do. The NBA doesn't review things as much, which is good. And that's my only complaint is too many reviews, too many stoppages. Yeah, I actually think the NBA is also pretty bad with this. I, I stayed up to watch a game a few months ago. It was a Lakers-Warriors game, and there was 50 seconds left, and they recorded to be 17 minutes to finish the game. And it, it wasn't even that important because the Warriors were up by, like, a few possessions, I think, in that game um, already. And they just kept calling timeout after timeout for no reason. Um, they reviewed so many unnecessary calls. Like, they should just call it on the floor um, and go with that uh, most of the time. Because, yes, I mean, the, the – the review is the review is a tool, but it's kind of being abused like on every single play in within the two minutes um, because coaches don't really want to like bring in one of their challenges. I mean, I know they it's a little bit different than how the NFL works with coaches challenges, but they do have them. The coaches can chip in and say what they really want to say. Um, but at the end of the day, they should honestly keep going with the calls on the floor. Um, and we saw it in the national championship game too. those final few minutes where painful to watch with all those commercials and injuries. Um, also, prayers out to Armando Baycott. That was a terrible um, injury that we saw. Um, and um, I'm just hoping, or not Armando Baycott, he had one like earlier in that tournament, um, but there were some guys that went down. Then he fouled out in one of those games um, in the final four. I can't remember which one. Um, but yeah, the injuries, yeah, that's something um, different. But the commercials have to probably just stop with all these commercial breaks and um, uh, they just make the calls on the floor because that's really what they're going to be more beneficial doing. Yeah, we need <laughs> less calls uh, or less reviews, more calls on the court to stand. And uh, I think it's only fair to, if you're going to mention the injury to UNC, that controversial call we know in the national championship game did he step out? Did he not? Um, that was one. Um, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did they go a review for that one? The one where he – it was controversial if he stepped out or not? Um, yeah, that was also pretty controversial. I, I think that, that was reviewed for a while. And they still couldn't call it. And, and yeah. so I think it's something that, like, especially when – They'll call it one way, they'll review it for five minutes, and they keep the call. It's like at that point, just stick with the call, don't go review. But uh, nothing we can really propose as much, <laughs> it's only our complaints. Um, well, moving switching gears from college basketball to NBA basketball, the NBA playoffs tomorrow is the last game of the season. Um, and so that's exciting because playoff time and um, it's been balanced. So many teams are fighting for last minute spots. We know 
the Heat have already clinched the one seed, but the Bucks, Celtics, Sixers are fighting for the couple spots. We know the four teams in the Eastern Conference playing tournament, the Nets, Cavs, Hawks, and Hornets, they're all decided by a game by the most. Um, Phoenix, they have the best record, and no one talks about them in the regular season. You can have, I'll say this, no matter how good you can be in the regular season, it only matters when it comes playoff time because a lot of the games you're playing bad teams or they had injuries or something or West Coast trip. And so it's um, harder and stuff. And we know like with baseball, injuries are so much more common and baseball and basketball, football is, but because these games are not only the games are longer, but the season's longer, it's more wear and tear on the players. And so, all these factors go in. It's really, can you play well in the playoffs? And so a lot of times uh, teams have had the best record in uh, the regular season and then not too slow in the playoffs. So I'll be, I'll be really interesting to see. I think um, in my opinion, uh, I think the sun's going to make, make it to the NBA finals to make this uh, a good season um, or at least the Western conference finals. If they lose there. Um, if they have an early exit, either in the first or second round, I think that's a, a waste of a season. Um, they have only lost 17 games, and if they lose in the first two rounds, I think it's definitely a bad season because just because they went so well this year doesn't mean they're going to continue that in the playoffs. But they will have, obviously, a play-in tournament team, but that would definitely be sad if they lose to that. Yeah, the Suns are, like you said, they're the best team in basketball currently. They have to go championship or bust. Um, and I think this this is going to be end of the road for Chris Paul. This is where he's going to have to get his ring. Um, it's now or never. Um, we thought some people said, oh, last year was his only chance um, because he'd regressed. Well, actually, that actually was not the case because Chris Paul has actually become a better playmaker this year than last year, which is actually kind of, it, to me, I think it's insane how he gets older. He's approaching age 37 pretty soon, um, but that doesn't really matter because he's spacing the floor. He's finding the open guy. Um, they have so many catch and shoot players, and that's really what separates them. And we've seen Devin Booker taking his game to a new level, averaging 27 points per game this year, a career high in his seventh season in the league, and he's still only 25, which is incredible. Um, they have such a balanced defense. Um, with Aiton and Mikhail Bridges, who, by the way, in four seasons with the Phoenix Suns has not missed a single game of basketball, um, which I think that goes to show how they like to stay healthy. They normally stay healthy. They've had a few injuries this year. Um, but when you have an anchor like Mikhail Bridges, you're going to be just fine. And the role players, just perfect. The Suns are in perfect position to take out the West, but um, they could face some trouble throughout the playoffs. Maybe some teams get a few games on them, um, but they just look too unstoppable right now. Um, 64 and 17, this team is ridiculously good. And I'm just going to take a lot from some other opposing teams to give them a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Having the best record, championship or bust, definitely for Phoenix. When you were talking about Devin Booker, I thought you were talking about Tom Brady. He gets older. As he gets older, he gets better. He can still throw. Chris Paul, can... actually. <laughs> Chris, Chris Paul, Paul. sorry. Uh, he's like Tom Brady, just even though, like, the two of them, like, they, you think, oh, Brady's getting older, he's not going to be able to throw. 
Brady still can throw, find that open guy. So um, it's interesting when you think these players get older, they're going to not play as well, but it's not the case with some of these players. So with that, going back to the East, so the Heat are the one, Bucks right now are two, Celtics, Sixers tied for third, Toronto is guaranteed to play the fourth seed, and the Bulls are guaranteed to play the three seed. Um, with that, we are jumping into CBJ in your face. It's been a long time since we've had it. Yay, you can, you can clap. All right. Um, today's question is, who will be the Eastern Conference champion? Jason, who do you think? I'm down to two teams, and I don't think it's really close. I think the two teams are the Bucks and the Celtics. Um, I think the Celtics have the best defense in basketball when fully healthy. But the problem is they're not going to have Robert Williams for a little while. There's a chance he comes back in the first round, but um, they'd have to win a series without him if they really want to guarantee that he'll be healthy. Um, and if they rush him back, I think that's going to be even worse for the Celtics. But uh, I think the team that's the most healthy right now and the team that's going to um, surprise people, somehow the people who are sleeping on this team, it's the Bucks. I think they're going to go back to back and um, at least a a finals appearance. I think we have a finals rematch um, of Bucks versus Suns. The Bucks have probably the most dominant player in the NBA by not that by a lot with Giannis Antetokounmpo, who has made a late push for MVP. Um, he's averaging 30 points per game, 12 rebounds, six assists, um, elite defense as always. Um, you have Chris Middleton, always so efficient, um, and uh, he's shooting. Um, it's a bit of a down year efficiency wise, but he's scoring and. Um, passing the ball very well, great perimeter defender. And then I think one of the biggest difference makers on this team, um, who e even though he's getting a bit older, he took a big step up this year. Drew Holiday, another defensive player of the year type of guy who dominates on the perimeter. Um, and this is one of his best seasons of his career, um, the way that he's just anchoring down on the perimeter. Um, and this team has pretty much no flaw except for giving up points, which is bad for them. They give up a lot of points per game, um, which I'd be a bit concerned about. They're, um, I think, like eighth in the East in like opposing points per game. Um, but they're able to win a lot of games in blowouts. That's why we don't see Giannis play uh, that many minutes. Like we don't see him play m more than 36 um, in most games because that's how good the Bucks are. Um, and we look at the team as a whole. They have elite depth. Um, there's just no flaw to this team. And um, Giannis has been the best player in the NBA for a little bit. I, you can argue him or KD, I think. Um, but I think Giannis is probably the best player in the league right now. He's the most complete player. Um, and the Bucs can literally just ride off of that, as that was proven last year. So I will say this. I know the biggest thing with the Celtics right now is Rob Williams isn't healthy. Can the Celtics get past the first round? And the answer is yes and no. And I'm going to give you the yes because I'm not going to give the no side. We don't want to have this. Right now, Boston the three. All they need to do is win. They had the best record since the All-Star break. They started so bad. I thought to myself, all right, the Celtics aren't going to make it. This is a lost cause season. We're going to have to wait another year for the Celtics to maybe even be a contender when are they ever going to win a championship they've yet to win since 20 2008 actually i think or, or 2011 
one of those two numbers. One of those is the Bruins, one of them is the Celtics. But it's been over 10 years since a Celtics championship. And I think back to when that started, season started, and I was like, damn, this is going to be a lost cause. But now it's not. And that's because they are the three seed. They are, even now that they, they have, they've uh, lost a few games lately, they're still, I would say, NBA's hottest team over the Suns. Suns started great. Their conference just, they just pulled away so long, far away that they lost a lot more. The Celtics are the hottest team. They're going to be the three seed, which means they're playing the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls, ever since they lost Lonzo, have just fallen down the mountain. They've just totally collapsed, can't win any games. That's going to be an easy round for the Celtics. They're going to have an easy opponent. As the three seed, they're going to play the winner of the two. Then it's going to come to Milwaukee. The Celtics are going to get Rob Williams back. They're going to have the front four. I can even see them sweeping the Bulls, having that momentum, getting extra days rest. Rob comes back. If they have a fully healthy team, they can definitely beat the Bucks. Two days ago, they almost beat the Bucks. No Horford, no Tatum, no Williams. And that was, yes, you could say some lucky shots, um, a lot of threes made. But the Celtics almost beat the Bucks, and that was like playing all their bad players. Yes, Jalen Brown, Marcus Marshall there, but no Tatum, no Horford, no Williams. All three of those playing against the series against the Bucks, if they come off a winning after either they swept or only lose one game to the Bulls, I don't see them losing more than one. They're going to have the momentum. They're going to push forward. The Bucks are just – they're going to be stuck with playing a team like Brooklyn or Cleveland. I could even see the Nets losing. I mean, the Bucks losing to the Nets. That's how um, scary the Nets are. And I think even if it's the Nets, I think if the Celtics have to play the Bucks, Cavs, or Nets, I think they can win all three of those games, especially if Rob Williams comes back. Yeah, I think the Nets are going to be pretty good when they come in to the playoffs. If they're playing the Heat, I could see them winning in five games, to be honest. I think I think the Heat are frauds, personally. Um, I, I don't think they're deserving one seed, considering how good the Celtics and the Bucks have been, um, and even Philly at times. Um, at the end of the day, I just don't see the Bucks being able to match up uh, or the Celtics being able to match up with the Bucks when it comes down to it, because Robert Williams is not going to be fully healthy. Um, he should, I think um, the, it was a bad, it was a good decision to do what he's doing. Um, but it's also like a high risk, high reward type of thing that the risk here is that um, he gets re-injured and then he's out for the entirety of the playoffs and a lot of next season. Um, he could have said, I'm going to get surgery and stay out for the rest of the season, but um, he's just working on rehab instead which I don't hate as a Celtics fan. I'm actually really happy because they're saying he could return for the first round. Potentially, Ime Udoka in a press conference recently said he's not ruling him out, but they're going to pay close attention. Um, and I just don't think they're going to be able to, to match Giannis in the paint. Um, I know Robert Williams has become more of a help defender, but um, which is incredible. He's playing the role like of a Giannis type of guy, um, but you cannot guard Giannis. Guard, Giannis is the most unguardable player in the paint and at times on the perimeter too. Um, when he drives at you from outside into the inside. Um, and they cannot, they can just cannot match the pace for pace game. Um, the Celtics play way too defensive minded and way too much iso ball. Um, and they're going to have to be able to pass around because if they get someone in the post against Giannis, like maybe three times out of 10, they're, they're not going to score. 
Um, so the big thing here is being able to match it, match up with them. And I just think the Bucks have the overall better offense. Um, the defense is a bit worse, but the Celtics cannot match up with the Bucks' length, um, and the Celtics are just a little bit too small ball and iso ball. The Celtics are not too much small ball. They play, they have the height and can guard Giannis. They've got Rob Williams if he comes back. Say he doesn't. They've got Daniel Tice. Luke Cornett, Sam Hauser, Grant Williams, all four of those players can keep up with Giannis. Giannis, we can contain Giannis. We've got the Defensive Player of the Year and Marcus Smart. We've got Jalen and Jason, probably two of the top 10 players uh, for young guys in the league this year. Uh, I'm White, Devin White, um, Derek White, sorry. Coming off the bench, he is a monster every game. Same with Peyton Pritchard. Literally, the Celtics can go toe-to-toe with the Bucks. Maybe it goes seven games, but I see the Celtics coming on top. And I think if Miami is still in, they're going to beat Miami. Miami is not that good. If it's another team, then we're talking a little bit differently. But they can definitely beat the Bulls if they're the three seed. I think they can match Milwaukee's intensity height with Giannis. I think they can beat them maybe six or seven games. If it's the Heat that the Celtics play in the conference finals, they're going to the NBA finals. And I think if the if they make it to the finals, I think it's this year, this is the year they will win a championship because I don't even know if the Suns are that good. They are okay. But I don't even know if they'll make it to the Eastern or the Western Conference Finals. I think the Celtics, depending on their path, they're gonna make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're going to win, and I think that is why I believe they're my Eastern Conference Finals winner. When you say that the Celtics have everything they need to guard Giannis, I just do not see that um, with that. You say Grant Williams and Sam Hauser and Derek White and Marcus Smart can guard Giannis. I mean, that's not Derek true. I Mar- said I said Daniel Tice, Grant Williams, Sam Hauser, and Luke Cornett. We've got Luke is a terrible interior defender. We've got height on Giannis. We can keep up. And that's why I said I think the Celtics go toe to toe with the Bucks. Giannis isn't gonna have an amazing game for seven games in a row. He's gonna have some highs, he's gonna have some lows. I think and with Smart, he can guard him, he can get some of those charges in. I think you get a couple fouls on Giannis, he's not playing as much. I really think. The Celtics can go toe to toe with the Bucks and compete with uh Jan- I mean, just look at the other day. They they only lost by six points, and that was because Celtics couldn't shoot at the end. But other than that, I mean Giannis may a big and maybe be good, but definitely I think the Celtics can match that and beat the Bucks. They just when you say they have the height advantage on them, that does not mean anything. If you can't match the strength, if you can't match the speed, because Giannis can beat you in every single facet of the game when he's driving to the basket. When you see him driving to the basket, you're like, get out of the way. You do not want to touch Giannis. The only person who I think on the Celtics that can maybe um, give him a little bit of trouble is Robert Williams. And guess where Robert Williams is? He's injured. He's not going to be fully healthy. Um, well, he will be healthy. Unless he comes back make, in the second round. If the Celtics make it to the second round, Robert Williams is going to be the second round. Robert Williams will be able to contain Giannis. He will be able to match. 
even we can't just look at this past week's game and see how much we were able to match Giannis and the Bucks. I mean, that should just be an example why the Celtics can go toe to toe and beat them. When Robert Williams is off the court, they're not going to be able to do. Celtics aren't going to be able to do anything on defense. Daniel Tice has regressed heavily. He is not that good of an interior defender, and it's been proven like a lot this time. He's getting postered every single game um, by some no names, and um, when when you have that, and also Al Horford, who was regressed also as a premier as an interior defender, he can't jump with Giannis at age thirty five. Giannis has the athleticism, he has the vertical, he has a speed, he has the tools to be the best player in the NBA, and he's using it, and he's not going to be inconsistent in the playoffs. He's going to be dropping 20-plus points every game. He's going to string together some some back-to-back 40-point games. There's just nobody in the NBA right now who can stop Giannis, um, and the, the reason is because he is just such a dominant force everywhere on the court, and even he's extending his range, um, making him even more offensively versatile, um, you just cannot go toe to toe with Giannis um, on in like a hundred possessions every game. You're you're gonna look at you get the occasional blocks on him with Robert Williams, but at the end of the day, you're not gonna be able to guard Giannis, and that's why he's the most dominant player in the NBA. When your team can rely on that with elite role players with stars around him, guys who can space the floor and also play great perimeter defense on the Celtics who love to shoot the three ball. There's just nothing you can do to stop the Milwaukee Bucks when it comes to playoff time, and they proved it last year as well. I mean, I think the Celtics have talent at every spot. They can, they have talent shooting threes. They have talent in the paint. They've got some height with Tice and, I guess, Grant and anyone else that plays, but they've got Smart. They've got Tatum. Brown. I mean, if the Celtics can – go toe-to-toe with Milwaukee, even if Giannis is scoring 30-plus points a game, the Celtics can match it, and they just need that little over that little bit to get over the edge, and I think they can. I think Milwaukee is going to be a challenge, but as long as it doesn't get out of hand, I think the Celtics can stay, and they stay in the game. I think they get, they have the extra edge, and we've seen uh, Giannis, I mean, he's been very good lately, but has he been, um, he has yet to score more than 30, around 30, he's, he hasn't scored anywhere 40 plus points in at least a week. Um, and he hasn't scored more than 30 points against the Celtics. I don't know if he, if it's because he can't match the Celtics defensive uh, stance or these other teams aren't as good, but I think those are signs that like, he can. I mean, I will say he is amazing at rebounds, but if we get Rob Williams back, which I really hope, then I think we'll definitely win. If Rob Williams is out, I think it'll be a, a fight to the end, a long seven-game series, and I think the Celtics actually have talent that they can make it over the edge and win. The only thing the Celtics can really do is just hope they can match the possession for possession because – the Bucks are going to convert on pretty much every single offensive possession um, with, with Robert Williams, not on Giannis. Um, and most of the time, Robert Williams is on Giannis. I still think Giannis can beat him. On offense, you got to be able to shoot the three ball over Giannis, who at six foot 11 and 242 pounds is an elite perimeter defender. He should be playing inside, but he's playing on the outside as the best help defender in the NBA. Um, and it's not even close. Um, Jason Tatum's probably going to get blocked a lot on threes. 
Um, you have to be able to distribute the ball into the corners um, for guys to hit down the, those threes. Um, the ISO ball is going to be way too hard if you have Giannis. Tatum can hit shots over Giannis, yes, but how consistent can he do it? Um, we've seen it only like once he hit one game winner over Giannis on an ISO. Um, and the Celtics love the ISO ball, but they don't have those they don't have as many pure scores that the team like the Bucks do. Um, the Celtics have a lot of good um, role players. They have stars. They, they have a complete roster. But the thing is, they just cannot match toe-to-toe with the best player in basketball. We want the best supporting cast in basketball. Great depth and floor spacing. They don't play iso ball. They just let Giannis cook and distribute to the three guys. They play a different brand of basketball than the Celtics do, um, and it's been more effective and it's been proven they won an NBA championship last year. And I'd argue they look even better this year than they did last year going into the postseason. I will say it's very hard to repeat as back-to-back champs. We know in baseball, there hasn't been a back-to-back champ in 22 years. Uh, even in NFL, we haven't had a back-to-back champ since the 0304 Patriots. So it's hard to go back-to-back. I think the Celtics have talent depending on if they get Rob Williams back. I think they have what it takes to go toe to toe with Brooklyn. I mean, toe to toe with Milwaukee and go over the edge and win. Yeah. I mean, yes, they do have that advantage. Um, and I think Brooklyn's also, like you said, they're going to scare people too. Um, end of the day, the Celtics will not be able to um, match this pace with the Bucks, unless Robert Williams is 100% healthy. And I know for a fact, like I told, like I said before, he decided to not go the route of surgery. So he clearly is not going to be fully healthy. He's going to be maybe 75% of his cell, if that. And I, I'm hoping he's higher than that. I hope he's able to be healthy as a Celtics fan. I just don't see it happening. The Celtics have not been playoff performers um, as of late. They lost the Nets in five. Um, and when you rely on solely Jason Tatum on the ball, I know Jalen Brown was hurt last playoffs. Um, but we need to see them coincide in the playoffs. Uh, and I'm hoping they do, but the Tatum-Brown duo has been rumored to break up. And I think this stretch, this is this is their final opportunity. Um, not necessarily final, but it, it changed a lot for them. And the playoffs are really going to tell people if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can coincide as superstars because um, that was the goal when we traded with the Nets back in 2013. Um, to get those first round picks. That's why we traded Markel Fultz down. We traded down to get Jason Tatum at three. This is what we wanted. This is the place we wanted to be. Um, but when you have these threats all in the East, a team like the Bucks, a team like the Nets, it can throw you off a bit because of their star power, because of their experience, because they have guys who have won championships and great experienced um, role players. And the Solis might just be a bit too young um, with their stars. I guess I'll, I'll ask you this question because if it ends this way, the Bucks could face the Nets as they would play a playing tournament game. As a Celtics fan, who would you rather see in the second round if they beat the Bulls and make it to the second round? Would you rather see a, game, a series against the Bucks or a series against the Nets? I mean, as a Celtics fan, I'd love to see the Nets because I'd, I'd want us to to get, getting Kyrie's head, of course, um, which is one thing um, because we love having him back in TD Garden as always um, with those uh, boos every time he touches the ball. Um, 
And um, I think the Celtics also have figured out the Nets because they have terrible defense um, and they've proven that they can, they can match the pace toe-to-toe with the Nets this season, um, even though they have Kevin Durant, the best scorer in basketball, Kyrie Irving, the best Durant's finisher. Durant's been injured a lot this season. He hasn't been great. Kyrie barely has played. And um, now they have no James Harden. I will say, uh, talking with uh, a friend of mine who's a big Sixers fan, said that Ben Simmons was a huge loss to the Sixers. And he was performing amazing for the Sixers. I mean, now they're fourth. I don't even know if the Sixers are in contending teams with Harden. Yes, they have Harden, but they're not that good. Um, or They're not amazing. And Ben Simmons, or not Ben Simmons, sorry. Um, who I'm thinking of is... Joel? No, not Joel. The one on uh, the Nets. And now I'm trying to blank. It's not Simmons. It was Seth Curry. Just came to me. Seth Curry has been amazing. Not Ben Simmons, because Ben Simmons is gone. Seth Curry was amazing for Philadelphia. He was scoring amazing. And now that they've lost him, Philly has just not been the same. Yes, they've been beaten. Yes, they've pardoned. They're a scary team. The Bucs, to be honest, they're a scary team. The East is hard. This is not going to be an easy road for any of the teams, if it's the Celtics, the Heat, the Bucks, whatever. But I think the Celtics have, if they're the three seed, one of the easier paths, depending on what happens in the first round of the playoffs. And also one thing to mention, um, we know Jalen Brown and Al Horford are unvaccinated. So if the Celtics end up playing the Raptors, that would be terrible because um, if you're unvaccinated, you can't play in their game. So I'm really hoping the Celtics get matched up, um, not with them. If, if it means losing a game to let other, it means like winning a game or losing a game to to figure out the seeding. Cause I think you want to win and you want the Sixers to lose. The Sixers had a huge win today over Indiana with Joel Embiid at, putting up 41-20, um, which is unbelievable. Um, and the Celtics, this is a must win game versus Memphis who is without John Morant um, tomorrow. Um, and if the Celtics are able to get this win, they're going to be facing the Chicago Bulls. But like you said, that's going to be a pretty nice matchup. I think we can sweep them as long as they don't have Lonzo Ball because they cannot rely on DeRozan and Levine to carry them every single game. Toronto's guaranteed the five seed. So we know they're either playing the Celtics, Bucks, or Sixers. The Bucks would actually, we could, as the Celtics, could be the two seed. We don't want that because that could mean playing Brooklyn or Cleveland. Any of those playing teams, playing tournament teams are scary, not worth it. You don't want to even have to deal with the playing tournament if you don't have to. It actually kind of gives a disadvantage, I think, in my opinion, to the one and two seed because you're playing a team that right now they're all balanced. So whatever game you're getting, one or two, you're the same. The Celtics, I think, would be better off as a three seed. So if it, the Bucks lose, then the Celtics can lose because even if, um, oh no, if Milwaukee, if Philadelphia wins, they would jump to the two seed, I think, right? I don't know. Depends on the Bucks game tomorrow. They play um, the Cavaliers on the road tomorrow. If the Bucks lose, Celtics lose, and Sixers lose, what's the standings? The Bucks will be, it will be the same as it is right now. The Bucks, I mean, sorry, the Celtics, Sixers win, Bucks and Celtics lose. What is the standings? If the Sixers win and the Bucks and the Celtics lose, um, I, there's some tiebreakers going on. Um, but I can tell you for a fact that the Celtics will be playing the Raptors, and I think it would be 
the Bucks and the Sixers at two and three. There's some tiebreakers here. Um, I think it's going to come down to who wins their division, um, um, the Celtics or the Sixers, to get another tiebreaker. Because if you have that division clinch, that actually I think ups to some of the tiebreakers. Um, so I think it would probably be Milwaukee at two and Philly at three. Um, but and we know for a fact that if the Celtics lose um, tomorrow and the Sixers win, that not nothing else matters. They're playing the Toronto Raptors if that happens. I was going to say, for the Celtics fan, win, you're the three seed. We could have Milwaukee lose, Celtics win, Sixers win. Would that jump the Celtics to second? It would jump the Celtics to the second. So what we want is either all three teams to lose or all three teams to win, or the Sixers just lose and nothing happens. And if the Sixers lose, no matter what happens with the Celtics, we're probably the three seed. Um, but yeah, like I said, Milwaukee, Celtics, or the Sixers all could face Raptors, who are guaranteed the fifth seed. Chicago is guaranteed the sixth seed. So, a lot of that stake with the rest of tonight's team and all of tomorrow's actions. Hopefully, this podcast will be up before tomorrow's games. And um, yeah, definitely keep an eye. Definitely going to be uh, a day for scoreboard watching. <laughs> All right. Um, unless Jason has any comments, anything else, Tad? Um, yeah. So I just looked this up um, with the tiebreakers um, for the playoffs. Um, this is as of yesterday, but this is what's going to happen. So um, the number two seed, um, the, it could go a lot of ways. The Philly and Boston tiebreaker is going to go um, to the Celtics um, if they're tied. Um, it'll be the better winning percentage against teams in their own division, which would go to the Celtics. So the Celtics have the advantage over the Sixers if they have the same record. Um, with the Sixers and the Bucks, the Bucks lead the season series, so the Bucks head-to-head advantage gets them up there. The Celtics versus the Bucks, um, it's tied at two to two. If Boston does not win their division and they're tied, um, the, the Bucks are gonna get the higher seed, but the Celtics do win their division if both teams win their division the next tiebreaker is best winning percentage against east teams and that's going to go to the celtics so if the if it's tied and the celtics win their division so if the bucks lose and the celtics win tomorrow the celtics have the two seed clinched um and then there's no other way around it but there's a three-way tie with the celtics sixers and the bucks um the first tiebreaker is a three-way tie division winner milwaukee um, has already won its division, and then the Celtics Sixers tiebreaker um, will go into play. So um, there's so much to go, but there is the tiebreaker. It's probably going to end up being Celtics, Bucks, Sixers in that two, three, four order. All right. Amazing insight there, Jason, finding out what the, all the tiebreakers, because like I said, like we said, it's going to come down tomorrow. There's so much at stake and nothing's guaranteed. And as Celtics fans, we're hoping it's a three seed against the Bulls. With that, unless Jason has anything else to add, which he doesn't, <laughs> um, that's going to wrap up this episode of the CBJ. So we hope you enjoyed hearing CBJ in your face again. NBA playoffs time. Can't wait. We'll be back. Uh, around the NFL draft. So we'll take a little bit, a little bit of a break. We'll be back around NFL draft, talking draft, uh, maybe even some hockey. Heard hockey's in the news. I don't know why, but 
Uh, their playoffs are coming up as well. Hockey will get talked about. NFL will get talked about. NBA will get talked about. And that's all. Uh, looking forward to. I'm looking forward to all those um, sports and the NFL draft. Can't wait for that. Um, it's not my favorite, but it is a highlight because as a Patriots fan, I'm usually I get up. I, I get excited, hopeful that we'll actually do something. But then you realize that Bill Belichick still sucks at GM. So uh, the Patriots never draft anyone. And their division's insane. Um, all right. That's going to do it for episode 40. Thanks for watching. <laughs>